You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Because he was dead. Okay, so the choices that men make. And so the importance of our choices, decisions. Here in this chapter are two main characters, Amnon and Absalom, both young men, each selected a course of action. The one involving sexual passion and the other murder. And these choices determined their future. We all make choices every single day of our lives, and we rarely think about how today's choices affect tomorrow. Today, we'll watch David's sons make horrible choices that will end up killing one and leaving the other on the run. Our choices may not end up with such drastic consequences, but Pastor Mike will remind us today that choices are like dominoes, one leading to the next. We can't always see where our choices will lead, but as long as we submit them to the king, we will be headed the right way. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 13 as he continues his message, The Choices Men Make. You see, lust often masquerades itself as love. And then in verse 5, So Jonadab said to him, Lie down on your bed. This was his advice. This was his counsel. They're putting together this plot. Lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father, David, comes to see you, say to him, Please let my sister Tamar come and give me food and prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat from her hand. So they develop this unscrupulous plan, according to verse 5. Both are willing to be a part of such depravity, laying a trap to seduce her. You know, notice how quickly and willingly he was to accept uh, Jonadab's advice. You know, it's too bad that men don't often respond to godly advice in the same way. That is so quickly. Verses 6 and 7. Then Amnon laid down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came, David, to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let Tamar, my sister, come and make a couple of cakes for me in my sight, that I may eat from her hand. And David sent home to Tamar, saying, Now go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare 
food for him. So this was a childish uh, request on the part of Amnon, but David indulges him. Notice then in verse 8. So Tamar went to her brother Ammon's house, and he was lying down. Then she took flour and kneaded it, made cakes in her sight, and baked the cakes. So she's not aware of what's going on here, right? She's not aware of this plot that is under way. In verse 9, and she took the pan and placed them out before him, but he refused to eat. Then Amnon said, have everyone go out from me, and they all went out from him. So Amnon is about to make his move on his half-sister Tamar. Verse 10, then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them to Ammon, her brother, in the bedroom. So the reference to the inner room. She might have had some misgivings at this point, but remember, she was just obeying her father David's request. So she just goes ahead and enters into the inner room, the bedroom of her half-brother Amnon. Now, verse 11. Now, when she had brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, Come lie with me, my sister. So suddenly, he grabs hold of her, and she realizes finally what is going on. Verse 12. But she answered him, No, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. So she resists. Verse 13. And I were, could I take my shame? And as for you, you would be like one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore, please speak to the king for he will not withhold me from you. So she tries to reason with Amnon in desperation, suggesting that he will incur public disapproval. She asks, consider the result of your desire, both for her and for him. The shame, she would be shamed. And it would also reveal that Ammon was a fool because he was blinded by lust and also tries to reason with him that the people wouldn't want an incestuous king to rule over them. Verse 14. However, he would not heed her voice. And being stronger than she, he forced her and lay with her. And so he commits the heinous crime of rape. She suffers its physical and emotional pain. Oh, the evil that results when we don't restrain our lusts. Verses 15 and 16. Okay, so now he's forced herself upon her. Uh, he's committed the sin of rape. And then in verses 15 and 16, we read that Amnon hated her exceedingly so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Arise and be gone. And so she said to him, No, indeed, this evil of sending me away is worse than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. How heartless and cruel. And it just goes to show us you can never satisfy your 
lusts. You know, in the book of Exodus in chapter 22, in verse 16, we are told that if a man, and, and I, I guess that she was, this is, she was either offering this as an excuse to get out of the bedroom where she had just been raped, to get away from her half-brother, or maybe she was actually thinking, well, you know, make your appeal to your father, uh, David, so that he would allow me to be your wife. Because in the book of Exodus, in chapter 22 and verse 16, there we are told, if a man entices a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall surely pay the bride price for her to be his wife. So either he was to marry her or support her for the rest of her life. So this would have been, if you think about it, within that culture, this would have been a great deterrent for premarital and casual sex. But of course, we don't have anything like that today. And then in verse 17, we read, Then he called his servant who attended him and said, Here, but this woman out away from me and bolt the door behind her. How callous can a person's heart be? He already set himself on doing the wrong thing. How indifferent. Now, you know, let me take a moment here. And remember, this was all about lust. This was not about love. And I want to take a moment to address our young ladies here in our fellowship this morning and any that may be watching online as well. Listen, you gals, take note of this. And be careful of guys while dating who have hidden intentions. You really don't know. Who might be pressuring you to get you into bed. You know, they're doing all of the right things. And, you know, it seems like they're, they're so courteous. And, but you really don't know what their intentions are. And they'll do everything that they can possibly do. Say all of the, what seems to be the right things. Listen, what it comes down to is this. If that fellow really loves you, then he'll wait until you become man and wife before you have sex with him. Now in verse 18, so just a word to the wives. In verse, so be careful, because man, I'll tell you something, men are such animals, aren't they? And uh, so be very, very careful about that. Now, verse 18, she had on a robe of many colors, for the king's virgin daughters wore such apparel. And his servant put her out and bolted the door behind her. So the robe of many colors was the badge of her virginity. It designated her as being a virgin. Verse 19, there we read, Then Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her robe of many colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went away crying bitterly. So she certainly did not repress her emotions. Verse 20. There we read in verse 20, And Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? So obviously news had come back to her uh, brother Absalom and uh, of what had just taken place. And he asked the question, Has Amnon, your brother, uh, been with you? Referring to her being raped. But now hold your peace. This was his counsel. Now hold your peace, my sister. He's your brother, half-brother. Do not take this thing to heart. And so Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. 
Now, notice the phrase, hold your peace. Listen, this was very bad advice. You know, if something traumatic should happen to any of us in our life's experience, we need to share our feelings. Why? So to receive encouragement from other people. Don't hold your peace. Get it out there. You know, seek the counsel of someone else. Seek the encouragement of people who love you. Notice also the phrase, she remained desolate. The idea is that, that because of her fact that she was no longer a virgin there within that culture, she was never able to marry. Verses 21 and 22. But when King David heard of all of these things, he was angry. And Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor uh, bad, so he didn't let him know that he was aware of what had taken place to his sister. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. Now notice, David, we are told, was angry. So news obviously had gotten back to King David of what had taken place. But notice, he didn't do anything to protect Tamar or correct Amnon. Now why was that? Well, Take notice of that. It may be that David was conscious of his own guilt in a similar matter and therefore felt a lack of moral authority to discipline his own son. And I'm referring to his committing adultery with Bathsheba. Remember, we talked about this last week. In fact, last Sunday's study was all about the sin that David had fallen into, that is committing adultery with this woman Bathsheba that led to the murder of her husband Uriah. And maybe that was the very thing that caused David to continue to be silent. He didn't do anything to protect Tamar or correct Ammon. But that's going to come back to bite him. Well, anyway, according to verses 21 and 22, Absalom is just waiting patiently for the time to act. And as we will see as we continue on in our study, he did, in fact, act. And that was another wrong decision that he made. Now, in verse 23, and it came to pass after two full years. So this anger is festering within Absalom for a period of two years. And Absalom, according to verse 23, had sheep shearers in Baal-Hazar, which is near Ephraim. And so Absalom invited all of the king's sons. So this would have been a festive time. It was the end of the sheep shearing period, and therefore it was, a, it was like a festive time. It was a time of, for them, a great cause to rejoice. It was a harvest time. And notice Absalom uses this opportunity and invites the court to a feast. Now, the court would have included all of David's sons, including Amnon. And so he's waited two full years now, when reprisals are unexpected, okay? And then in verses 25 through 27, then we read, Then Absalom came to the king, verse 24, and said, Kindly note that your servant has sheep shearers. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, let us not all go now lest we be a burden to you. Then he urged him, but he would not go, and rather he blessed him. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. 
So Absalom wants to make sure that Ammon was a part of this dinner that Absalom was hosting. And the king said to him, why should he go with you? And then in verse 27, we read, but Absalom urged him, so he persisted. So he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with them. And so David refuses the invitation himself. But remember now, Amnon is in line to ascend to the throne. So therefore, that meant that Amnon represented David. Okay? So David wasn't going to go, but please, Absalom, appeal to his dad, make sure that your representative, the next one who is in line for the throne, make sure that Amnon is present. And then in verse 28, Now Absalom had commanded his servants, saying, Watch now, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, that is when he gets all liquored up and his guard is let down, and when I say to you, strike Amnon, then kill him. Do not be afraid. Have I not commanded you? Be courageous and valiant. And so we're introduced now to these servants of Absalom who serve as assassins. In verse 29, So the servants of Absalom did to Ammon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose, who were also present at this feast, and each one got on their mule and fled. They were afraid. They're probably thinking, we might be next. They really don't understand. They really don't know what's going on. They don't really have a clue to the intentions that are in Absalom's heart. And so they're afraid that they may also be killed. Verse 30. And then it came to pass, while they were on the way, that news came to David, so they're heading back now to Jerusalem, saying, Absalom has killed all of the king's sons, and not one of them is Left, So that was actually an inaccurate report. Remember the other sons, they got out of there as quick as they possibly could. And it was only Ammon who had been killed. So this report that had come back to David was an inaccurate report. Let's pick up now in verse 31. So the king arose and tore his garments. He's under the impression that Absalom has killed all of his sons. Okay. So the king arose and tore his garments and lay on the ground, and all his servants stood by with their clothes torn. Then Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother, this was one of David's own brothers, an older brother, answered and said, Let not my lord suppose that they have killed all the young men, the king's sons, for only Amnon is dead. For by the command of Absalom, this has been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. Now therefore, let not my lord, the king, take the thing to his heart, to think that all the king's sons are dead, for only Amnon is dead. And then we read, he corrects David's understanding, and then we are told Absalom flees to Geshur, which is located along the northern border of Israel, to his mother's father, who was the king of Geshur. All right, verses 34 through 38. Then Absalom fled after he had killed his brother at this feast. And the young man who was keeping watch lifted his eyes and looked. 
and there many people were coming from the road on the hillside behind him. And Jonadab said to the king, Look, the king's sons are coming. As your servant said, so it is. And so it was as soon as he had finished speaking that the king's sons indeed came, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And also the king and all his servants wept very bitterly. But Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amihud, king of Geshur, and David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there for a period of three years. And then finally, according to verse 39, we read, now remember this took place after a period of many years, and King David longed to go to Absalom. In spite of what Absalom had done, killing his brother, King David still loved his son Absalom and longed to see him, we are told, for he had been comforted concerning Abnon because he was dead. Okay, so the choices that men make. And so the importance of our choices, decisions. Here in this chapter are two main characters, Amnon and Absalom, both young men. Each selected a course of action, the one involving sexual passion and the other murder. And these choices determined their future. You know, there's this poem, some well-known lines in a poem that was written by a fellow whose name's James Russell Lowell. The title of the poem was The Present Crisis, and this underscores the importance of our choices. And this is one of the stanzas. Once to every man and nation comes the moment to decide in the strife of truth with falsehood for the good or evil side. Some great cause, God's new Messiah, offering each the bloom or blight, parts the goats upon the left hand and the sheep upon the right. And the choice goes by forever, twixt that darkness and the light. And so, gang, our choices and decisions, yes, they may not be as momentous and far-reaching as these here in our study that are recorded for us here in this chapter, but the ingredients are the same. And the results can also be the same. Be very careful about the choices and decisions that we make. But more than anything else, this is what I want you to take away from this morning's study. Remember, we are always aided in making the right choices by our willingness to live our lives under and by the authority of the Word of God. As the psalmist declares in the 119th Psalm in verse 105, It is a lamp and a guide unto our feet. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be. That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. Thanks for tuning in. Did you know that you can listen to Pastor Mike's teachings on your favorite podcast app? Just search for In My Father's House with Mike Finizio and be sure to subscribe. And let us know you're a listener in the comments. We'd love for you to join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship, too. 
You can find all the information you need at harvestnyc.org. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area, or if you're unable to attend in person, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time studying God's Word. We're live-streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to catch previous Sunday messages, click on the Resources tab. You can also watch services through our Vimeo link or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Links to all of these are available at our website. One more time, that's harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to remind you just how much your Heavenly Father loves you. We also want you to know how grateful we are to have you as a part of our listening audience. And we're praying for you. Thanks again for joining us today. And we look forward to our continuing study of 2 Samuel next time, right here on In My Father's House. There's a place for